I mean, it's like you go to the X Games, right? And like you win and you're just like the three hours after the, after you win, like the, the podium and this and that, it's like sick. And you're back at the hotel and you're seeing everyone in the lobby. You're like, yeah, sick. And then that night's sweet and you're celebrating and then you wake up and you're like, word, well, that's over. Like on yeah. to the next thing. And like chasing the, like the, the comp results just is kind of this never ending, like wins enough. <laughs> We have a guest, guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we do. <clears throat> Are we on? We're I mean, on. We're oh. on. I mean, I we're, we're on. on. <laughs> we started riding around when we found out hey, Danny. Airplane. Danny. <laughs> airplane. Airplane mode? On, it is on airplane mode. Jeez, look at you. Yeah. What? Old professional. I'm just trying to. In, be your, in, your, in your mushroom hat. I know. Yeah. That's cool. I bought this on Instagram. Okay, good. I, it seems like you bought a lot on Instagram lately. I did. I got that Rodman shirt, too. You should get off Instagram. <laughs> I always worry about, oh. like, Instagram, um, uh, if you buy something, if it's going to show up or not. Actually, one time I ordered this, like, really cheesy couples mug, one of those color-changing ones, and I tried to get it because it was, like, a Valentine's Day ad that they sent me, and I was like, oh, sick. That's super easy. Like, six weeks from Valentine's Day, like, I'll upload this photo of me and my girlfriend, and I'll get this cool heat changing mug where it looks like a normal mug but when you fill it up with hot water the photo appears Sick. cute yeah except it didn't come for valentine's day and then i was staying it was like six months later it showed up in just this ball it looked like literally like narcotics was shipped <laughs> and like the people i was like staying at were like you got some package from china they're like is that like fentanyl or something like, Jeez. no it's my Color changing mug. Did I it work? Six months ago. Still have it. It's gorgeous. It's <laughs> wow. Gorgeous. <laughs> so I've had good luck. That's good. So um, our guest today, Jossie Wells, out of Wanaka, New Zealand. Six X Games medals, one gold, three silver, two bronze. Big silver guy over here. That's right. <laughs> Represented New Zealand in the 2014 Olympics um, World. Super pipe champion in 2008. It's crazy because your brother's now kind of the pipe guy. Not anymore. But he was. He was, yeah. Who yeah, was yeah. better out of the two of you? Well, in the beginning. You. I was. But then he got better? Yeah, he got better. He got good. <laughs> and, then I, and then I bailed out of pipe because I was over it. Yeah, crazy. Slope, so I'm bigger. Danny kind of did both of them at the same time. <laughs> we all did. I mean, you know, we've had that conversation with a few athletes about how, like, we were lucky in our generation to be able to like actually compete in a few things. And now the schedules are so split between like big air pipe slope style that you kind of like can't really just show up to a mega weekend and get to do all three. Yeah, totally. I feel like when I grew up, that was just kind of part and parcel. Everyone was doing all three disciplines. If you were a badass. Well, yeah, it was like, you know, people were filming parts and they were competing and they were competing in every discipline there was. And then as things got more and more specialized people you know, got writers, writers were like okay i'm just gonna focus on this just gonna focus on that so it became really difficult to try and like kind of ruined all everything of yeah i mean it's, all this that's just the nature of it like progression 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 ruins everything yeah thanks danny I, i'm not the one who overly <laughs> progressed it i just kind of was like the first people to do like 1080s back to back. It's yeah. literally that the definition of. <laughs> like, what? Like it's hard? <laughs> what? I didn't and then think he's I like, oh, like... and then I'll do one and then I'll do two. <laughs> no one was doing it. I was like, why is no one doing this? All right. Crazy. You actually, yeah, wow. You fucked everybody, Dan. <laughs> but I believe, I believe that within progression, um, especially like in our sports of skiing and snowboarding, 
there's a big major like regression and like style becomes more important than what is just like spinning to win or whatever, right? And people start to view these other tricks again as like holy grails, right? Like cool cork 540s and 360s can actually like look way cooler now because people are spinning so much that a lot of people who watch it, even really good riders, don't know what they're doing. Hang on, hang on. Oh, I don't know what they're doing. No. I don't think I could call a snowboard. I, I couldn't call a. I, I, there's no way I could legitimately call a slope style contest run. Not without training. I mean, it's tough. I'm like, I mean, I did ski big air for like, I don't know, 15 years. Yeah. And watching the last Olympic ski big air, I was like struggling, knowing what tricks they were doing. And I had been out of the game for like three years. <laughs> I was like, damn, dang, dude, it's getting crazy. And you probably brought some big rotation into there. Totally. I mean, yeah, but then I feel like you reeled it back too. Like you're like kind of like the style master. Well, I mean, I think like, you know, the essence of these sports, you know, kind of across the board, style and individuality has always been such an important factor. Um, and, and at least it was for me because the people that I grew up looking up to, that it was clear that that was their path. You know what I mean? Um and that's always been tough if you're doing the contest scene and you're trying to like obviously get good results and put down your best runs and you're at the end of the day you're kind of skiing for a panel of judges so you can't do exactly i mean you can do what you want to do but if you want to end up on the top of the podium there's like sort of a loose formula on how to get there um so that's kind of the, the age old battle of like the the competitive action sports athlete where like you know it's like your art form, but then it's being judged in like this scientific box and you're like trying to fit into it. It's, it's weird. Super it's such weird. a crazy point to say because we're, we're there at that point where it's the Olympics are around every four years. So it gets this like international eyeballs um, more so, you know, than once a year the core people on X Games or whatever kind of major other events there are. But like educating, I think it's hard to educate people that aren't in the sport now um because it is like that it's what they're doing like us three here um have ha, would all you know kind of look at ourselves at verified and knowing what we know within our industry um but then again it goes back to being a judged sport so it's like you're to what you're doing is different to what the other guy's doing so trying to like showcase or trying to tell people that don't know anything about it that will know the reason why this person won is because he did this, this, and this. But really, it goes back to the judge's opinion, which isn't always right either. I mean, yeah, that's the that's that's the age old battle that you know. If if you're going to take up a career in professional action sports, you're going to have to get comfortable with the fact that like sometimes you're going to get hooked up with scores, and sometimes you're going to get screwed over, and you just have to stay level through like yeah. all of it. You can't be like too gassed when you've won when you maybe shouldn't have. You shouldn't be too bummed when you get screwed over. It's like you've just got to become pretty level and like just show up, do the best that you can and be like, I, I learned to just focus on my writing and be, try to be hyped on my writing. And then if I was hyped on my writing, whatever else was like a bonus, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where do you think like, and this is like kind of now, like, you know, like I feel like you've gone into that second stage of your career per se or whatever that kind of next um, what's been the most exciting part about that? Like not having to be like, shit, man, I got to go and buckle in and do some 1080s or 1260s or 16, whatever they are, just to freaking 
You know, <laughs> are you happy I mean, not waking up and having to focus on that? I mean, the best part's probably like not having to show up to like seven thirty in the morning practices in the slope style course when it's still dark. <laughs> you've got finals coming up in like half an hour you know <laughs> that's always pretty loose um but i think for me my the my favorite part about moving into the film realm is like getting to have complete control over like when and where i perform and also like having complete creative control of how your writing is being um presented you know what i mean when you're when you're at a contest you're kind of you're trying to add some individual flavor, but you're also trying to like complete the formula to get on the podium. Whereas with the film side, you have complete control over the music, the editing, the the spot choice, how you build the jump, like what crew you're with and getting to hit it. And um, I really learned to, to enjoy like the entire process of a season of like being out in the back country with the homies, enjoying like every moment it takes to like make that film at the end of the year. Whereas like with competing, it's like it, it can become very like result focused or like outcome focused. And then I feel like on the other side with the filming, it's like the journey. Peace be the journey. Yeah. You know? And it's also a, it's like um like you're saying with the event focus just kind of rolling through that season, it's like there's an event the next weekend and it kinda of like sometimes washes away what happened the weekend before, even if you had a great weekend or a bad weekend. And I think one thing that really stands out is when you get to spend that whole time, you know, a year filming with a crew and you're like building up this whole video part and video and then you get to release it at the end of the year because then it's like all eyes, you know, get to watch it at the same time. And it has such a like meaningful, you know, uh, like language to that sport, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like everyone gets to watch it and they're like, all right, next winter, like I'm going to do like this, what Chossie did. And like, I'm going to make it my own by maybe adding like a 180 or taking a 180 off, you know? And I think that's like a, it's huge to be able to work on something for so long and then just like get to release it. Totally. It's such a fulfilling feeling. I mean, it's like you go to the X games, right? And like you win and you're just like, the three hours after the after you win like the the podium and this and that it's like sick and you're back at the hotel and you're seeing everyone in the lobby you're like yeah sick and then that night sweet and you're celebrating and then you wake up and you're like word well that's over like on yeah. to the next thing and like chasing the like the, the comp results just is kind of this never-ending like wins enough and it was an interesting <clears throat> time when i decided i was gonna bail from competing and move into the film route and i'm like damn like i have to Right now, I have to be okay with the fact that I am not going to have a chance to win another X Games medal because I'm, I'm choosing to go a different path. And that, when your whole like life has been based around like that being the pinnacle every year of what you're working towards, to then be like step away from it was like a super weird feeling to be comfortable with. And as soon as I became comfortable with that, it was like this kind of weight was lifted off like, oh, okay, so like now my whole winter can be focused on every day that I'm out there getting to pursue my passion with the people I love and working towards a common goal. It's like super dope. Um, but yeah, the competition thing is like, it's such a, I'm, I love competition. I've done it, you know, for a long, long period of my life and it, it's brought me so much. Um, but stepping away from it was also like really fulfilling too. I oh. love the idea. No, but I, Sorry, I love the idea that not only, like, you know the sport inside and out, so when you're producing something, you can produce it from the eyes of a skier or snowboarder. Like, you know what I mean? 
you can tell always if there's someone that's inauthentic in making anything. You're like, eh, they don't really know what they're doing. But like, since you've been there, you know the angles to do and like what you'd want to see as a writer and like what would help you, I think, as a skier or, you know, like uh, the younger you, you know, it's like you're creating something for the youth of what you were. Mm -hmm. So it's automatically just an advantage. Yeah, totally. I mean, ha being able to be out in the backcountry and have like a team of film filmers and a team of writers and we're all working towards this like common goal and you have a lot of time to work on this stuff, right? And so it's like you, you, you just have this amazing opportunity to craft exactly what you want and mm -hmm. put the time into making it exactly how you want. And sometimes when you're competing, it's like so on the fly and you're adapting to runs and you may, you know, like say, for instance, like the year that I won x game slope style like there's a couple tricks in there that i'm like oh they like aren't really that lit but it was the best on the day at the time and so you, you look back and you're like man like i see that run i'm like oh, i wish that, i wish i did that a little better or that a little better whereas in the film side you can be like oh just try it again i'll get it yeah. a little better you know what i mean um but yeah i mean i think like both sides of the sport are, are super amazing it's really it's it is cool that we as athletes have the ability to like experience both sides of our industry. Um, and that was always kind of the goal as a kid was like, all right, I'm going to do the comps as long as I can. And then when I feel like it's time to switch, I'll go, go into the film route. Um, I like that you like you're talking there about, you know, everyone reaching a common goal. And I think the difference between like filming and competing is that common goal is you have a team, your filmers, your photographers, whoever else is there, part of it. And you guys aren't in that together. Mm. That's like a journey that you guys are in. And yeah, you talk about like the 530 or the, or, or the having to ski at a final or an icy thing, but it's, it's, it's the same, uh, uh, you know, objective. There's a goal that, you know, the, the goal is to go out and compete and win. And the goal is to go out and film an amazing video part. But you, that takes a whole season to do that correctly. Sometimes more. Oh, I mean, it's way harder work making a film. Way harder. Filming a video part than it is like contests. Like when, when you switch, you're like, oh, this is gonna be sick. It's gonna be way more relaxing. I don't have the pressure of, of the finals, final run. Like it's all on your shoulders. I'm gonna like step away from that. It's gonna be sick. And then all of a sudden you're like, damn, dude, I'm getting up at like 4:30. Yeah. I'm like, gonna have to learn how to ride a snowmobile. <laughs> I'm gonna be shoveling all day. Snowmobile was crazy. Two days building a jump, and then I'm gonna ragdoll ten times, and then I'm gonna get one clip, and you're like. Wow, <laughs> that's a week, this a week hard. in the life. Yeah, of, you it's know, hard work, you know, but it's it's really fulfilling work too. So, I mean, you know, yeah, moving away from contests, it's definitely not more mellow. It like the the work intensity ramps up. But it's very um, like you have to like self driven, mm -hmm. right? I mean, obviously, you're out there and you're really doing the trick that's in your mind or off this jump, whatever is the best you can do or however you built it. But it's really for like you and maybe the filmer. That was the hard part for me to wrap my head around where I was like, I don't even really like this filmer today. Like, do I really like, <laughs> like, why am I out here snowboarding if this guy is going to do He's like got a, a couple trick? people and I know who one of them is. And, and the guy, like, he may not even be impressed or whatever. Maybe he'll miss it. It's on 16 millimeter at this time. So you can't even really watch it for did months. You, did you film much on 16? Uh, or was that you were a little bit after that? After that, yeah. The first movies that we did with Slater and those guys, it was all in 16, and you never knew. They never knew, like, what shots they got or they didn't until the yeah. end of the season. Mm. Oh, no. <laughs> That'd be so brutal. I get the yeah. film back and be like, wow. 
the make is not. That's how yeah, it used yeah. to go down. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely like you have to find it within you. And I think, um, but at the end of the year, being able to tour a video around, mm -hmm. and I mean, maybe speak a little to that because that's probably one of the funner things you can do is like a real video premiere tour, right? Totally. I mean, I, I got a little like unlucky to be honest because we, when I started making films a few years ago, it was kind of just before COVID had kicked off. And so we started like, got these films done and then we couldn't do them around the world. I'm like, wait, so like the best part about oh, you a film, we can't, yeah, we can't cruise around part. and hang out with everyone and show everyone. Like, like You won X just, Games every night. Yeah, You get exactly. to celebrate with everyone every <laughs> night you show it for the work you did the whole year yeah. before. You no, were, stuck. So those ones were, you like were just, stuck in New Zealand that whole time, huh? Uh, I came out and did X Games Knuckle Huck and because I like was able to get in through Homeland Security for X Games, I was like, word, I'm staying for three months. And yeah. So, so I stayed and we filmed another film. Um, and then I did come out the year after. So I did these like short kind of trips during that. Um, Wait, you had to go through Homeland Security to get clearance to leave New Zealand? Uh, to come into the US. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So ESPN, like you gave them all the yeah. information or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was crazy too, going back <laughs> home to New Zealand after I had to do two weeks locked in a hotel room when I landed in Auckland. Crazy. I was loose. It's weird because you guys are going back to this. Your dad was ski patrol at Cadrona. Your mom, is this correct? Worked child care center. Mm -hmm. And you started ski racing at two. I started skiing at two. Started skiing at yeah, two. Yeah. And then I started ski racing at about age seven. And then, so there's Byron, Bo, and Jackson. Yep. There's four of you. There's four of us. Jeez. And Bruce. And Bruce. Bruce is the dad. He's a legend. Bruce is your dad. I've met Bruce. I've smoked a cigarette with him. <laughs> <laughs> Probably several. <laughs> um, that's a real ski family. Mm. And like from the heart of New Zealand. We bout about it. Is there no more core ski family in, 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 I was going to say New in Zealand. The world? In skiing. I mean, there's a few. There's a, few a few Euro roles. families. I mean, you got the Olenix. OG yep. ski family. Yep. Um, and then even like within Wanaka, um, we have uh, the Porteous family and the Billis family. Um, and coming up now, the Harrington family. Like there's there's these families. Uh, within families. Wanaka, there's like, yeah. Just yeah, rolling, that's rolling crazy. For sure. snowboarding, Beyond Linus and Eric, their dad was ski patrol at Brighton. Yeah. I and mean, now I guess I think Beyond does ski patrol there now too. I could be wrong if I said that incorrectly, but I think I saw him something following his dad's footsteps, something mm -hmm. weird like that. Maybe I'm fucking off with the rockers, but their father was definitely ski patrol. That's cool. Like that's like real that's real ski talk. Yeah, sick. I mean mum and dad from the central coast over in Oz. And they moved to Wanaka to work at Cadrona. And then after a couple of seasons, when they were going to start a family, they were like, oh, Wanaka would be a mean place yeah. to raise, raise a family at. Yeah, so still today. They, they posted up and uh, dad was running ski patrol. Mum was working up there as well. And then once we were school age, mum started homeschooling us. And so we would go up the hill with dad, <laughs> shred, shred for the day, come home, do our school work at night. If we didn't do our schoolwork at night, we couldn't go up the next day. Yeah, that's so good like incentive. Mum mm -hmm. kind of like instilled this like self, like intrinsic motivation um, that kind of worked throughout the rest of the school years. Um, yeah, so we just had this like amazing opportunity to spend a lot of time on snow. And uh, you know, by the age of 
13 and 11, Byron and myself went to Italy for our first like Northern Hemisphere season away. We did three months. Where in Italy? We're in a place called Prato Nervoso. He's a homeowner in Italy now. Working on it. Working on it. It's like an hour from Torino. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I know Torino well. Oh, yeah, that's where you got an Olympic medal. Uh, that's right. Let's Damn. go. First um, Olympic silver medal. Dude. <laughs> but, Bring back uh, some good memories, Dan. Yeah, really good memories. I wish I could remember them. Um, <laughs> but talking about New Zealand, this is like what I'm kind of interested about because, you know, um, I feel like when you grew up, um, and one thing I wanted to say real quick about the ski patrol lifestyle, mm-hmm. I feel like all the parents who are listening, um, any ski resort is like the most perfect daycare for a kid Mm -hmm. without hiring babysitters you just get them a season's pass and then they have like ski patrol lifties they're pretty much taken care of from maybe seven or eight years on but um what was the scene like in new zealand (laughs) because just roll roll those moms out there listening just um, trying to save them money as far as like the resort duly noted duly noted but like uh, Brittany needs a daycare system i do Put some, put a snowboard on a kid and just let him go and That's figure insane. it out. She's, she's, she's super into snowboarding, actually. Nice. Yeah. She she does. Park City's her local. That so. is my local. It's a good spot. She her outfits on point. Uh. It's about the outfit. Yeah. He knows. <laughs> uh-huh, I know. This guy's more I'm, on point I'm than anyone it. out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is he's like the man in black. This guy's got a style, unlike many other. Um, but I feel like there really wasn't many people before you, like kind of pushing the way into like the the scope of New Zealand, right? And in Australia, like I feel when I started competing, the scene was obviously there and there's a really strong snow culture, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like there was many names like in the competitive scenes in skiing and snowboarding in New Zealand and Australia at that time. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a crew of guys that I grew up skiing with and looking up to that were older than me. Um, And they, it was, it was a really healthy free ski scene um there used to be an event in in wanaka called the rip curl world heli challenge gnarliest competition ever used to be on the regular news in australia heli challenge yeah that was helicopter ski and snowboard like big mountain freestyle event that uh tony harrington would put on and uh so wanaka had always kind of been from that point onwards wanaka had been a bit of a kind of hub for these kind of new sports snowboarding and and free skiing these new sports that were kind of coming through so there was definitely crew around new zealand wanaka queenstown specifically that uh that were really crushing and i looked up to a lot of guys that were were really amazing um and some of them would head overseas and do winters and whistler and here and there um and so those guys like really pushed me and who i was looking up to um when I was when I was really young, and then it was like really quickly I started coming over to the U.S. for winters. How old were you when you first started coming over here? I was fourteen, my first trip over yep. here, and then um, I don't know, like a couple years in, then I was at X Games at sixteen. Crazy, and then kind of like blew it, blew my collarbone to pieces, and then like the next season is when I got my first medal, and it all like happened super quick. It was like I was looking up to all these guys. I was like trying to learn all these tricks and then all of a sudden like all i was focused on was like getting good at skiing and learning how to do tricks and then all of a sudden it's like oh you just win comps by doing the tricks really well yeah and then it all started clicking right and you just get in this flow state where you're like you almost get this green light you're like oh i do i can do it okay well i'm gonna do it then 
um and yeah it all just happened so quick it was like from from one year i was asking simon dumont for his autograph and then the next year i was like next to him at a signing wild trying to figure out my signature on people's posters like trying, <laughs> a, di trying a different one every time like oh, i don't know about this one oh, i don't know about this one, oh, about this one. <laughs> that's wild and did you um grow up watching x games like was that a goal when you were in new zealand or was totally kind of yeah i mean that's like i that was that was the dream when i was younger um being from new zealand like we're a pretty long way away from where the scene was and, and anything going on so like we would get the the ski and snowboard films, you know, six months after they would come out over here or something, or you'd hear someone that had a VHS of like the latest one and go all go over to the house and check that out. Um, and then we would, we didn't have, I don't have Sky Sport, like New Zealand. Um, they got three, cable, cable they got three channels over there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They got three channels. To like, to watch X Games. So we would find like copies of, of the X Games that were like super old. Like we, I was never like tuned in live, but I knew that like X Games was the spot where it all went down. And then obviously once I came over here at 14, then I started to see it in like real life. I was like, okay, sweet. Like that's the goal. It's crazy what you said though too, like of um, there being locals, like some came over, same as Australia, but there are definitely some local snowboarders and skiers from New Zealand and Australia that never made it over here that fucking rip. Oh yeah. Big you time, know, big time. yeah. I mean, the facilities down south have been so good for so long. I mean, especially with Snowpark, um, you know, what Frank Wells did down there with Sam, and they like they made basically the best place in the world to ride park and pipe. That's and crazy, it in, right? It was in my backyard, it was yeah. crazy. And that Travis Rice kind of at the helm, too. Totally. Of he like... came down, they just blew it up. Like, they they had they brought with them like all the media, all the attention, everything. And they had all the equipment to make the best features. And all of a sudden, like 40 minutes from my house was like the, the most popping place in all of ski and snowboard. Didn't yeah, you it make was the a destination? You know, didn't you sure. make the news down there, Dan? A couple times. You know, um, <laughs> but before, how, how did that happen? Hang on, let's not, let's hold not, let's on, not, let's hold not. on. Don't skate over that. Didn't you try and drive the van up to the mountain? Yeah. Oh, I had a life goal. And, <laughs> You know, everyone's got to have crazy goals, you yeah. know, and for me, <laughs> Big audacious goal, right? one of my, one of my dreams was like going to a foreign country and buying a van and just like having a van. That's that was one of my goals. And then, and then, well, then it got a little Sometimes crazy goals extend, with Brady. the van <laughs> and, um, there was a little miss, uh, miss scheduling of events where I was supposed to drive a van to the mountain and they were going to tow it up to the half pipe or the jump and we were going to jump over it and i just fell in love with driving down there in new zealand and you put chains on the tires and you should have seen this 1985 toyota with chains make it all the way to the top of cadrona oh my god on a groomed run at um, 9 15 a.m when the mountains open and, and people are skiing down. it had only been open for five minutes <laughs> And my dad, being the head of ski patrol at the time, he was was who, who had to deal with Danny. <laughs> what did you? That's say? when they became boys. <laughs> well, they knew about the shoot, but obviously, I drove like there's a line, invisible line that I obviously crossed. Yeah, like the snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, like the actual the open ski resort was the lodge, and I crossed that line and went really far up. And then when I got off of the groom trail, that's where the van hit a soft spot and sunk. And if I didn't go off trail, I would have been fine. Anyways, it cost me a lot of money. Not the van. The van only cost nine hundred dollars, but the um, the ticket, the ticket, the lawyer, 
the fines, everything was like it was like twelve thousand dollars invested. Did you get that. the shot? Twelve thousand dollars. Didn't even probably get well, the shot. I didn't yeah. get the shot. I got I got well, I got a mug shot for that. <laughs> but yeah. it was but on the news in Australia. My dad said multiple me. times. <laughs> but um this what was American. really cool about oh, Sam no. and Frank Wells was literally two days later they let me drive the van all over <laughs> Snow Park however I wanted. The van became famous. The van became pretty famous, yeah. The thing was all spray painted up. It was cool. It had shark's teeth on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a sight just rolling around little Wanaka. Probably like five thousand people living in Wanaka at the time. It's crazy for you. Like I I did a junior worlds competition there. Me and Danny may or may not have hooked up with Team New Zealand. Remember? Mitch Brown, maybe was that like? Are you saying we made out with the same chick, or we yeah. hooked up? No, we made out. Say we've been dating that long. <laughs> it's a we're, long relationship we're in. We have been dating a long time. We're up over twenty years, dude. Yeah, crazy. But um, the Wanaka scene is special, and it's oh like yeah. if anyone's into skiing, snowboarding, uh, and just sightseeing in general, it's definitely like one of the coolest places in the world. What about this? Is. Now you have the the Wells Invitational. You have your event there every mm -hmm. year now. Um, after everything it went through, there was, you know, obviously when you grew up there, it was small. And then it became like the hub of snowboarding mm. and skiing just in general, action sports. Ken Block's fucking down there. Isn't that where he jumped the car? Yeah. Like some pretty He's, nice He got shit away happened. with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he never got charged. <laughs> you paved the way. I paved the way. <laughs> You're literally. right. I think, I think he saw it and went, oh, wait. I could do this yeah, better. Yeah. You walk so he could run. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have to look on the timeline of whether he did it first or not. But he I definitely he did. He definitely did. He inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then it became like it, it, it became bigger than Mount Hood ever was. It became bigger than any, um, you know, any um, uh, summer thing in Europe, mm -hmm. any bigger than uh, uh, Whistler. It became like if you were a pro skier or snowboarder in the summertime, you were in New Zealand. Yeah. And they had the best park set up. They had the whole afterwards where there's there a bit of a down, like was a bit of a like it it, it kind of reclused. Mm, I don't really think so. I mean, like Kadrona really stepped up once Snow Park kind of folded. Kadrona stepped up their park and like started making their offering really amazing as yep. far as the park pipes go. Um and so and then we were already on the map down there. So people were still like, especially with the sports becoming more and more specialized and people needed to ride more and more and more. People just kept migrating, dude. And there's been people, a flood of people from national teams to people just coming down to like shoot some video, get out in the helis, helis into the, the Southern Alps there, whatever. Like it's become such a hub for that kind of October, September time when, you know, the summer camps over here are kind of wrapped up. You know the the early season stuff in Europe isn't popping yet, and so we've kind of got this this time down in New Zealand where, like, if you want to ride on snow, this is like where it's happening. Yeah, I get it. I I I get it. I want to visit. What would you say, like, if there was like a shred pilgrimage you would take besides just obviously I know the Wanaka area, mm. but there's probably two or three of the other resorts or club fields. Totally. I mean, the the riding in New Zealand is super unique. Like, you've been a lot of times. You don't go there for neck deep powder, but you go there for a great experience. No and neck deep powder? <laughs> definitely not. No, not even like Arthur's Pass. I mean, or... we we get good snow, but because we're like because it's a little island, our snow pack Is it wet? It it depending on the storm, 
but it but it changes quickly because because of like the humidity there and stuff so like you know it snows a couple of days after the storm it's popping and then the snow kind of starts to change um so throughout new zealand there's a there's a bunch of amazing resorts you go up into canterbury and there's what they call the club fields up there and they're all these kind of they're not private fields like you go buy lift tickets but it's a club that runs them and they've got these rope toes that are like running on old tractors from the 60s um and it's this really really authentic ski culture that uh that i love to go ski up there it's pretty rad um gonna try to spend a lot more time up there this season with my brothers um there's some pretty amazing terrain even in the north island up at Ruapehu. but again because it's on an island and especially the north island is pretty flat except for Ruapehu's massive volcano sticking out so that cops a lot of weather You've so got like really active volcanoes there too. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, I think the last time that real pay who exploded was maybe ninety five something like that. Isn't there a documentary um, on one that just exploded? Oh yeah, the white. I saw that the, the tourist one. Holy cow! Yeah. That was Luce. I don't want to create a battle or anything, but I'm gonna throw the knife in the ring. And why is it that New Zealand has such a like strong park scene, and I feel like Australia just like doesn't easy dude <laughs> <laughs> our mountains are kind of flat we're um we're pipe dogs yeah i mean <laughs> i think like or border cross we're really fast riding in oz is dope like but it's, again it's like springtime have... all, all season it's, it's like springtime all season it's yeah. very damp and like wet you've like, you don't get fluffy powder mm-hmm. um if you're gonna get like that kind of snow style you got to get it in that day um like threadbow perisher um but yeah we um, they're both unique. They got their own offering. These guys are a little yeah. gnarlier. We get a, we, we get more Olympic medals than they do. <laughs> they don't get I don't many. know about that. Anymore. I'm just reading that Zoe that Zoe got her first Olympic medal for New Zealand in 2018. Yep. And then she got a bunch of golds in 2022. Yeah. She, what was she at your event last year? Mm-hmm. What she didn't? What uh, we'll pull it up in the in the in, in there'll be a video pop up. What did she? She did her first switch. She did her first. Switchback 10, I think, right? It was either a switchback 12 double or a forward back 12 double. I think it was switch. Was it switch? Yeah. Yeah. It was lit. She was crushing so hard. She's so gnarly. Dude, it's crazy. She is so gnarly how she rides. Bro, watching her at natural selection was insane. She just, I mean, yeah. Anything that she touches, I feel like she's got such a good riding fundamental, like baseline of knowing how to ride a snowboard and then has her unique style that that paired with like her absolute fearlessness is like some the crazy combo she's like she's unstoppable yeah it's really cool i mean i felt like i got pretty good at slope style or jumping in my day but to watch what the females are doing now it's like Mm -hmm. tricks that i'd never even dreamed of doing and they're like doing on the regular you're like wow totally i mean i think across ski and snowboard women's big year for those two events my favorite events at x games right now I think they're the most exciting. The progression is like very exciting and you can still kind of understand what they're doing. Where's it go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that looked good. But I want, I want to understand, you know, the different, like if, if female like versus male, like it, what is the difference in your opinion of their style? Like how, or how is it different? Or why? Mm. So many questions. Not like the style. What he's like, saying is like we enjoy watching it is because why? it's like tricks we can st- we still understand. You can kind of conceive and you relate of the trick like to you, them. Yeah, I mean, like the the woman in the in the big air for ski and snowboard now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at least on the ski side, they're doing tricks that 
I was doing when I was doing Big Ear, and now they're like surpassing that. So to wow. watch, so to watch, so to watch Megan this year do her triple, I'm like, that's loose. <laughs> I did that. I did that once word, and then I didn't do it again. Like, yeah, and see, she's like just going back to back to back in, at X Games. Like, but put it this way: like you'll dark. watch like a Mark McMorris run or a Max Perot, and literally they take or Cleveland they take off the lip, and you do this. You go one, two, three, four, because you're just watching them just rotate. Going, you're not yeah. even counting. You're the just spinning. saying that women's women's freestyle in general is just growing, and they're mm-hmm. just getting they're to this, this point. That yeah, yeah, yeah. They're on like this awesome trajectory where like yeah. they're all they're all progressing each other, and they're all like one upping each other at these yeah. contests. And so yeah, so the progression is like that's dope. super rapid mm-hmm. and really exciting. Right. And then on the men's side, I mean, it's just as, as exciting. It's insane, mm-hmm. but it's it is harder to. They're so good now, and they're doing so many rotations that it's like it's very hard to differentiate like where what's what's, what's different. Little, you know what I mean? A lot yeah. of the same tricks on the guys, and you know the women are really like catapulting yeah. into these bigger, more tech tricks um, at a really cool level. That's where incredible. a lot of the guys have kind of like. Not maxed out, but they're like maybe adding a 180 or a little unique grab. Mm-hmm. And on the women's side, it's like, wow, like making history almost like every other event. That's it. Uh, don't That's worry. Soon us old, old heads will be watching the girls and we won't know what they're doing either. So. <laughs> yeah, but my <laughs> question, 100%, my question is where, where, where does it? Where does it end? Does it not end? I'm, 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 I'm confused on it's, where we're it's going. It's tricky because there's no finish line, mm. really. It's not a race. It's a crazy, I've I've got asked that question quite a lot. It's, and it's a, I think it's something that everybody that's interested in, in our sports, like. Because it's not going to stop, right? Like if you watch R. Willie, the BMX kid from Australia, the dude is a freak, absolute fucking freak. And you watch his progression on what he's doing and the level. And he's got this ramp and this airbag and he can see it in his mind and then he can take it to the airbag and then he'll bring it to like the, the concrete or the, like the dirt, whatever, whatever he brings it to. And I'm like watching this guy, and this is more of an overall for action sports, but I think he's kind of the leader right now. I would mm-hmm. say like, um, it, correct me if I'm wrong, and like maybe we can name a skier or a snowboarder that's equivalent to that. Um, you know, it's you look at, you know, um, uh, McMorris or Cleveland or um, uh, Red or, or you know. Elaine uh, Goo? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Throwing in some skiers who yeah. are. Yeah. Doing some boss. I would say I'd say Burke Rude on the screen yeah. inside. Like, I think the the answer to your question is like I think that it's things are ju- the tricks are just going to become more and more refined because like as far as the spins and the grabs go, it does feel like for the size of the jumps and the way that the formats are set up and stuff, it feels like it's kind of at this point where like, are they really going to add another one eighty? Are they really going to add another flip? I don't know. Like, there's so many already, but the way that they're done. Is just going to become more and more refined, and you you watch somebody like Burke Rudsky, and that dude is straight refined. Right, like the way that he well, that's it. it. They're refining doing... Dusty Hendrickson on a snowboard, exactly. refining Ex- the coolness of it, exactly. and making it look cool. Yeah, um, in, in a different way. It's the crazy. Style, the style aspect is is you know it's it's basically the essence of these sports, and so I think like as the technicality is like almost getting kind of maxed, like it's going to be a really cool time the next like. Five years or so because it's gonna what's gonna win competitions is the like refinement and the individual flair and style that's that's done with them almost more so than like in the past kind of which and that's a that's a tricky job but to you do when you're spinning like five times you can't go any higher yeah. out of the half pipe now right like there's a like i don't know do you see a umu 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I usually, and Kaiju definitely yeah, set the sure. bar very high. But even Scotty look, James, mm-hmm. another Australian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Valentino. Val- Valentino's loose. I love watching that kid ride. Out but, of his mind. Scotty, I mean, and and, and now Scotty's, Scotty's geared in. Like, he's ready. You know, he's going for his, you know, potentially third Olympic medal. Mm-hmm. He wants gold. He's like, I'm going for it. But he's like, fuck, this is, I'm the oldest I've ever been against the gnarliest competition I've ever been. Yeah. You know, it's only getting harder for him as as he goes. Um, I, I even want to go back to like you two, you know, when you originally did the back-to-back 10s and made it look cool. That was what, 2002? 2001? 2002. And then for you, like it went from, you went from, you know, being like on the era of doubles. Mm-hmm. And now there's triples. You're like, I did yeah. one triple and I was, <laughs> yeah. you know, out. And then for you, like, I never, like, you were the era of the back-to-back tens and then it went to doubles. And that was at the end of your career. And you're like, fuck me. Like, go on, kids. Fuck that. I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't have, as, like, it's progressed, now there's been so much progression within training opportunities. And now we have airbags. And now we have foam pits. And now you have these safer ways to learn tricks. But the fact is, it's pretty crazy that these people are doing tricks into like an airbag or a foam pit 50, 60 times before they ever go to snow. And they're Mm -hmm. just sitting there like visualizing, like that's how it's going to go. That's how it's going to go. And then like go to try it, which is pretty scary, you know? So there's definitely um, a safer way to learn some of these bigger things, but it's also pushing people into this level that makes it so scary. Totally. I mean, I think if you look back on, the trajectory of the sports like there's these kind of defined progression points where back-to-back switch 1080s in slope style was like that's right when i was kind of right in the mix that's how that's how i got my first x games medal was being able to do that because there was only a few of us at the time and then it moved into the double corks and it's like every time you go into that next thing it's like well the first ones aren't done super super well and you're like oh man doubles like there's no way that they could be stylish. And then it's like, you give it a bit of time and people refine it. And then all of a sudden, like doubles are the rad thing because now people are doing triples and everyone wants to see a stylish double. And now it's in in this realm where like people are doing triple corks, but they're also doing like double cork 2100s. Crazy. And and it's this, it's nuts. But, but with these training opportunities, like that's, that's given rise to the ability for these riders to be able to hone these, crazy rotations in without the risk of just like hucking on snow all the time. And so I think as you, as we go forward, you're just going to see these tricks get more and more refined. Like I was saying before, when there was a couple of tricks in my X games run in 2016 that I was like, ah, that wasn't so great. Like you're not going to see people on podiums with like little bubbles like that. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> it's going to become more and more and more refined to like, I mean, I don't know you what, to me, dude, you watch Burke Root and the dude, you look, it looks like he's never going to crash or yeah. never do a bubble. Like he's just so on point and he's setting the bar right now. So everyone's just going to catch up and then there's going to be the next kid come around and whatever, whatever that is, he's going to push that next phase. Like, I don't know what that looks like right now, but I think if you look back on old footage of X games all the way through, like the one common denominator is like, yeah, there's more spins and stuff, but it's like the refinement of the way that yeah. it's done all the way through. You know, whether that's like skateboarding, BMX, FMX, snowboard, ski, like everything's just become more and more refined. Equipment gets better. The training facilities get better. It's sick. Do you think that, um, 
the knuckle hawk had so much success in skiing and snowboarding because it's easier for the everyday person to understand. What? I think there's a. I think there's a question for a friend. I think there's a mix for of me. that. For me, he's asking it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a mix of that plus the fact that it 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 gives the riders an opportunity to really express their individual taste with their skiing because there's right now it's what there's been four years of it maybe five like yeah it's pretty fresh right and so there is it's not in the olympics yet yeah plus it probably will be soon plus the way they're judging like it's not a score every run and so they just award who they reckon ripped the hardest at the end of it and so it's judged on overall impression but right now there's no formula on how to win it do you know what I mean? Like you can't yeah. show up to knucklehead and be like, all right, I know that if I hit this trick, this trick and this trick, that's going to get me on the podium. It's like, it's more this free flowing thing where like the riders are all, you got a rough idea of what you want to do. But then when the, when the session starts popping off and you see people like, it becomes this like adapting thing where like, oh, okay, I need to do this. Or I think I could probably do this. And old mate just did this. So I'm going to try and huck this new thing I've never tried. But it just I think it's it's popular because a lot of the people that like watching these sports like to watch them because of the individual people, you know? The, yeah. The, the style and the That's flavor. That's why it's that always person, been like that. Totally. You and, know, growing up as a kid, I looked mm-hmm. up to Trevor Andrews, you know, he had the headphones and the bagginess, but other people looked up to, you know, whether it was Kier Dillon or Terrier or Daniel Frank, whatever it may be. There are those people from our world and then mm-hmm. skiing as well. Glenn Plake, man. Glenn Plake's still a fucking legend. I know, dude. You know what still I mean? Like, you see that guy yeah. on the hill and you're like, there's a legend. Yeah. You know? And totally. he's still running the same game. Sleeping in the parking lot. He's bust. Like, yeah. that's a fucking, that's a ski lord right there. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think, like, Knucklehuck really brought something fresh for X Games that was, like, really needed, um, I think, just as fans. Like, we all just wanted that, right? We wanted to be able to see our favorite riders do their thing without trying to, like, adapt to a formula to get on a podium and just give us a great show. And it's it popped off. People yeah. love it. Yeah, I yeah. think it's awesome. I think it's really cool, too, because it's, like, not really meant to be a feature or a jump. And you get to watch, like, people adapt to it the way, like, a normal person would be riding the mountain and find, like, a little side hit and spin off it or butter and then spin off it. Mm-hmm. So it really, like, gives everyone, like, this baseline of, like, how fun our sports really are and how wild they can be, like, on the improv and creativity-wise. Yeah. And speaking of creativity, and I just wanted to pivot here for a second, but, you know, obviously you've got a big influence in skateboarding and snowboarding. Um, and, and man, I like, fuck. Sad year for a lot of reasons, but we lost a really, you know, cool person this year and one of your best friends and somebody – me and Danny know in a long time, um, you know, uh, RIP to Jordan Brown, but how much influence did, did Jordan have on kind of you and, you know, your, your kind of outlook and style and where you're at in life now? Yeah, I mean, um, Jordan Brown, such a special guy. I mean, you guys that know both of us will have no doubt seen the influence that he had on me. Um, I met, actually, Danny introduced me. Well, he, he connected Jordan and I first when, I mean, it was probably – I would have been maybe 17 or something. Mm-hmm. And Danny was like, yo, we want to get you on Grenade. I'm going to put you in contact with my team manager, Jordan. And <clears throat> so he linked us on an email. And then I was, this is, a, this is a pretty funny story when I met Jordan. I'm like standing in the lift line at Keystone and this dude behind me just goes, hey, Jossie. And I look around 
it's just Jordan blacked out, just got like this much of his face showing. And he's like, I'm Jordan Brown. We've been emailing, Danny put us in contact. I was like, oh yeah, sick man. And he's like, yeah, we should, we should figure out getting you on the grenade. I was like, oh, I'd love that, man. I've, uh, I've got an agent, I'll send you, a, get you his information. Jordan's like, I don't deal with agents, bro. <laughs> 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 I was like, all right, man. Well, um, cool. <laughs> I didn't really know what to You're say. like, so I'll just do the <laughs> deal then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, from that moment, like, um, we just like kept linking up. Obviously, like just within the scene, we'd see each other around and whatnot. And then um, we just became really, really close friends. Uh, and then he started working for Monster Energy. And uh, yeah, he was running the skate program over here for a long time. And, you know, obviously being at all the events together and then getting to to hang out outside of our kind of retrospective work situations we just became really really close and he's someone that i really looked up to um he was kind of kind of like a big brother to me that i never had i have three younger brothers um and yeah jordan was kind of this this older brother figure who was you know kind of showing me what was what, showing me what was sweet. Uh, coming from kind of a skate and snowboard background, he always had really cool uh, insight and advice for me when it came to like my skiing. And he'd be like, yo, I've seen this, this, I saw this trick from this skateboarder the other day, like check this out. I think you could do something like similar like this or he'd watch a snowboard part and he'd be like, dude, what if you did something like this with this type of music? And he was, um, he was really influential to me. And he was the first dude that like, would just wear black every day that <laughs> I saw him. <laughs> yeah. And I'd been through like my teenagehood and it was like very publicized on the internet and I went through a few phases. <laughs> like tall teens. Yeah, bro. Tall like, hoodies. I was a, dude, I was a skier. <laughs> yeah, like but 16, skiing, you know? man. Like that was like tan a hole. Like know, that, dude. like you guys were raised by the tall yeah. tee. Tall it's still there. Are bright colors, bro. It was crazy. And then, you know, after, I don't know, the first few times that I was chilling with Jordan, I'm like, man, this dude always looks tight got 60 and then i was like word i'm just gonna I'm just gonna run black jordan he's like yeah you should and then i that was just like me <laughs> still him yeah you should yeah you should bro um yeah his d yeah. was on point man he'd always yeah. have like kind of like just enough little gel in the hair kind of a vibe but mm-hmm. like very cool before like the gq kind of like scene came about he was a cool guy man and and then you know as we grew up, grew up uh, over the last, you know, 15 years, you know, he had a really bad knee injury, um, snowboarding and had like a a big rehab process that took him, you know, year and a half, two years. And then I had a a knee injury as well. And like he, we were kind of like going through these things, you know, similar time. And so like he was riding a road bike a lot to rehab from his knee and, and he kind of like motivated me to get a bike and then i ended up blowing my knee like right after i got it so it was, it was kind of perfect so i started riding bikes and like jordan he he like he really helped like focus me on like if i want to continue doing the sport that i love to do and to be able to get out there and ski whenever i want to be able to go skating when i want to jump on my snowboard when i want like i have to be i have to be healthy and i have to be able to like my body has to withstand that, you know, I've given it an absolute beating over the last 20 years. Um, and so he was a big, big instigator in kind of my journey of, of starting to look after myself a lot better as well. So I can continue doing the stuff I love. Um, 
So yeah, man, really, really influential guy to me. Um, one of my dear friends. I had I had the privilege of marrying him and his wife Jessica, um, like three years ago, up at um, Berthoud Pass. Just the three of us. Wow. We hiked up. I married them at the top, and then we just ripped pow for a couple laps. <laughs> and it's like perfect sunny day in the, in the back country. It was amazing. Um, and his beautiful daughter Esther. She's about nine months old now. Um, and I'm also a godfather. So, um, yeah, man, really rough time this, the start of this year, super weird. Um, but you know, going through, going through that process with him and his family. Um, yeah, it's like a, there's like a kind of a weird beauty in, in the, the whole thing, you know, I mean, we're all going to cark it at some point, you know, we're, we're all, we've got, we've got a finite existence walking here on this earth and so to be able to to be like confronted with that um was something that's pretty interesting to go through and there is kind of a beauty in it um along with the grief and yeah i don't know any anyone that's that's lost someone close like it's just a it's just weird man yeah it's just a weird thing man he meant so much to so many people so many people in this industry um from the snowboard industry to the skateboard industry and 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 on you know and it was one of those things that just happened really quick, you know, so I didn't mm. mean to, to deter, but I thought it would be good that, you know, we spoke about Jordan a little bit. Totally. Um, He's the man. Rest first time peace, I met him, it was on a yacht, on Bill's yacht, and Danny's like, this guy's working for us, and he walks out, takes all his clothes off, and just jumps in the ocean butt naked, and I was like, this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think one, one special thing um, about Jordan, too, that really kind of, like, left a mark on – me that I'll always carry forward was like about having like really meaningful relationships and not just always like, you know, catering to the masses or the mass groups of your friends, but really making those connections within like the group you're with and, you know, the small conversations and like real connections. So um, definitely a good uh, reminder, you know, to always take fans, friends, family and love serious. Yeah, totally. I mean, he was always so good at at communication and like getting on the phone and giving you a call or sending you a text with yeah. like photos of what he was up to and stuff. I think I think partly it was because he was like despised social media, so he wasn't on it. Yeah, and so like for him to connect with his friends, it was like direct. You know? yeah, it's real Whereas sometimes because like you know I see what you guys are up to online, so I don't call you all the time. No, nah, that's up, just you the way the world happens. is. You see everyone all the yeah. time. You know exactly what everyone's doing. You know their routines. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking crazy, and you cannot see someone for a year, two years, mm -hmm. and it's like you see them and nothing's changed because you're watching their life. Yeah. So the ones that aren't on social media are, are not partaking in that, and you know they're. And living. I think it's better. You you build a better bond when you're actually like talking with yeah. your friends. You know what I mean? And he was really good at doing that. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, we could go on forever about, you know, the the great man that he was and the influence that he, that he had. But I think, you know, like all the, you know, he, he had a big influence through, you know, our whole industry. For sure. All the different industries and, you know, those people listening that, that knew Jordan know how special he was. So, yeah. Yeah, man. R.I.P. to a legend, man. Yeah. Love you, brother. For sure. All right. Well, we're going to finish with Danny's. Um, uh, he's got his lightning round right here. Lightning round. We appreciate you, Jossie. Thank you for hanging. Of course. Hit me. Okay. So um, real quick, and precursor, I know there's a huge uh, hatred between <laughs> Australia and New Zealand, but we won't get into that because that'll take for a whole other episode. But who has better slang? 
Oh. Australia and New Zealand. Aussie slang's probably probably goes harder, I think. Yeah, we got to beat on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's the best part about... I don't think we can use any one of the slang words on this. No, they're all, we got them beat though. They're all, <laughs> they're all bloody blank, bloody blank, bloody blank, bloody blank. Uh, what's the best part about being the oldest of four brothers? Uh, having three best friends built in. What's the worst part? Uh, literally nothing. Um, what about, okay, go to... Air to throw over a big air jump. What? Go what you, to go like to your trick? warm up. What's your warm up on a big air jump? Uh, probably hit like a zero spin would be the go to. I think that's my guess. If you were gonna hit the X Games big air this year and show off a little bit, what would you throw down? I'd probably do a zero spin. <laughs> <laughs> that's a zero, that's right? Like under yeah. breath that both switch, of you guys are switch straight here. Um, that's kind of gnarly. Yeah, but it's my favorite trick. Switch straight here. Yeah. Um, if you were going to have a rider's dream session, what riders would be there? Ooh, like a, like a heli session or what are we talking? Um, yeah. Yeah, heli Just session. Heli session. Uh, I mean, my brothers. <laughs> um, You're not in yeah. there, Dan. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> my brothers and Dan. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> uh, what's the key to a lasting career in snow sports? Uh, taking care of your frame. Frame. Yeah, the rig. The rig. Yeah. You still do a lot of cycling? I do a lot of cycling. I see you, you do yeah. like savage cycling missions. Yeah, I, I like cycling. I like doing bikepacking, um, got into running. Yeah. I just like moving, dude. When I'm able to, when you have so many injuries doing these types of sports that like you don't get to move like <laughs> quite a lot. Right, yeah. So like when I have learned just to like not take it for granted when you're healthy enough to be able to cycle and run and ski and skate whatever like just being able to really just take advantage of it i think also like we spend our time in a lot of cars and traveling and trains so fast that you see the world a lot differently when you are on a bike mm -hmm. or running it's like uh, Honestly, a different dude, pace bike packing is like the best way to travel you're fast enough you cover good ground but you're slow enough that you just get to experience places like yeah wow it's, it's such a unique pace you know do you have a personal doomsday bunker? A doomsday bunker? No, but there's a whole bunch of them in Queenstown, apparently. Oh, I've heard. Yeah. Okay, so it's a doomsday. Yeah, all the there's place? like a there's a vice doc on a dude that like came down from New York because they heard about all these doomsday bunkers from all the elite like around the world that owns own these spots in Queenstown, and he like did this like doco trying to find out where they were. It didn't get didn't find any. You're not but. going to. No. Everyone wants that's the point. Yeah. But yeah. what are people worried about for Doomsday in New Zealand? I, I feel, feel like, like it's pretty. I, I, think, I, think you're, I think you're off the beaten path enough to where, like, if they're going to come for you, you, you've got plenty of warning. I feel like the, all of New Zealand is a Doomsday bunker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's just the spot to go. Yeah. Like, we're good, you know? Yeah. I feel that. It doesn't need to be made of concrete. Like, you're good. We'll grow some. It's going to take them longer to get there. You're going to see them coming. Well, yeah, you're going to have to yeah. fight off a few million Australian people when shit hits the fan <laughs> over there. We got, our own, we got our own doomsday bunker. Oh, yeah. It's all built under Air's Rock, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's in Air's Rock. There's a, there's a secret door. <laughs> uh, I'll well, give, those I'll are all the lightning you, questions I'll I give, have, but I'll, Brittany might have. I'll give you the code. Are you, are you just? I'm going to just off the whim give you a lightning question. Well, I'm going to repeat. 
What's on your playlist right now? What are you Ooh, listening to? My playlist. See, um, that's the best one. I've been listening to a lot of Fred again lately. Okay. Uh, let's do Jay Monty. Pretty sick lyricist. Um, do you yeah. do you like when you hear these? Are you are you taking like notes for your movies? You're just like, oh, that song's gonna go. Yeah, on. definitely. Like that would be my favorite part about creating movies, like yeah. picking the music. Yeah, it's really fun when you like hear yeah. a song. You're like, oh, I can write this that. would be so cool with like, this. I got a snowboard yeah. playlist. I got a playlist. Yeah. yeah, slam section. Yeah. yeah, it's either like really fun process or like really stressful. Right, <laughs> right. finding the right music. Um, you want to start early right. for sure, but definitely got to pl- got. Playlist where you just kind of like add stuff every now and then. That's, like, that's a nice one. Um, yeah, that's in my headphones. There you go. That's a wrap. That's so, a wrap. Thanks, yeah, guys. thank you, Josie. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you. Yeah. Be safe, dude.